Wow, what a game. Losses don't get much more entertaining than that. But of course, it's not all sunshine and rainbows here. Alvin Gentry, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Okay, I'm kind of mad a little bit too about his obviously poor starting lineup decision that he kind of overcame. I'll talk about that. Plus the terrible officiating in this game that was a major factor as to why the defending champion Bucks were victorious. I'll explain it all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code NBA or go to the App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. This is my eighth season covering Sacramento Kings basketball professionally currently with abc 10 news here in sacramento and before we talk about this very entertaining king's loss to the milwaukee bucks the defending champion of course milwaukee bucks in inside of a just packed and rowdy golden one center which was wonderful to see we do have to talk about uh my issues once again with alvin gentry after i just praised him a couple of episodes ago um i really want to make sure that i hit this at the beginning and i'll talk more about it at the end to give you more information but tomorrow's locked on kings podcast is going to be all centered around arco arena of course the legendary arena here in sacramento built in natomas that is being torn down sacramento uh, replacing that arena with a all-new state-of-the-art like hospital health facility, which is fantastic, but that building is very special to me. That building is very special to a lot of Sacramento Kings fans. Of course, the best times in Kings history happen in that building, so I'm going to just dedicate an episode to that tomorrow where I'm going to share some of my stories as a child growing up in Arco Arena, some of my favorite games, moments, things that I experienced, some stories that I've to- told before, others that I haven't, but I don't want it to just be story time with Matt and all about me and my experiences. I know so many of you have better experiences than I do in that building. So I want to hear from you. I want to make sure I'm getting it here at the beginning of the show. So, you know, I'm looking for your stories. I'm looking for your input. And I don't just want you to write a story and send it to me. Although if you're only comfortable doing that, that's fine. But if you can, and if you'd like to be a part of the show, if you could record either an audio, just an audio clip of, of you telling your Arco Arena story or a actual video clip that can be played uh, on our YouTube channel as part of the podcast. If you want to send those to me telling a story and be part of the podcast, I encourage you to do so. It's open to everybody. All you have to do is email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Send me those clips, those audio tracks, or those videos, uh, and I will try and fit in as many as I possibly can uh, into the podcast tomorrow. I'm hoping to get some. I put it out on Twitter. haven't gotten too much response yet, uh, so I'd love to get some of your stories. If not, it'll just be a bunch of my stories which won't be as impactful and as good of a representation of how important that building was to so many Kings fans. That being said, Kings are playing in their new building now, the Golden One Center, which has been empty for a lot of this season. That was not the case tonight, hasn't really been the case since the uh, DeMontis Sabonis trade. Uh, But the Golden One Center was awesome tonight. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, how much of a breath of fresh air that is for me. And I think a lot of Kings fans seeing that, even if you're watching uh, from home like I have been, um, 
but we gotta we gotta jump into the bad here and it, it there's not too many things from this Kings game that the Kings did that I'm upset about like giving up 103 points or however many points they had given up. I think it was 103 in three quarters or maybe it was 101. It was over hundred points giving up that many. You can't do that obviously, but no matter what the Kings did on the floor tonight, it was always at least from a negative standpoint going to be overshadowed by the Kings starting this game out on the complete wrong foot. And it's not the player's fault this time. And you know how much I like to put onus on the players versus the head coach. But Alvin Gentry made a, quite honestly, terrible decision with the starting lineup tonight. After missing Justin Holiday for one game, Dante DiVincenzo got the start Monday night against the Chicago Bulls. He played extremely well. It's no coincidence that as a starter, DiVincenzo had his best game as a King so far, and the Kings were able to beat a very talented Bulls team. We also got a great performance out of Davion Mitchell off the bench. I thought Alvin Gentry's rotations in that game were really, really solid, beginning with seeing DiVincenzo starting at that two spot next to De'Aaron Fox, where he thrived, gave us important context for this upcoming offseason and for next season as the Kings have a question mark at that two spot and are trying to figure out if anyone on this roster currently, especially either Mitchell or DiVincenzo, if they can be that starter long-term for the Kings next season on a playoff hopeful team. We got that context, or at least some of that context, from the Bulls game. And what did I say after that game? I said there is no reason at all why Dante DiVincenzo should not be starting the remainder of the season, unless, of course, he's hurt. And if that's the case, then Davion Mitchell should be getting that spot. I know Justin Holiday, and I prefaced this before, I know Holiday is under contract next season. I believe Holiday will still be a king next season. I think he can be a valuable rotation piece. But if Justin Holiday is your starting two guard next season, I question how much better the Sacramento Kings have gotten. Plus, Holiday has struggled in his time here in Sacramento. Defensively, he's been fine. Offensively, he's just chucking up and quite honestly missing a lot of threes. And that was no different in this game as in his first game back. He was brought right back into the starting lineup. To be fair... He only played 20 minutes, 19 minutes, 40 seconds to be exact. Went two of six from the field, two of five from three-point range, had eight points. He was only starter, not in double figures. One of only three players to play for the Kings tonight that didn't reach double figures. No disrespect, truly, to Justin Holiday. It's a horrible decision by Alvin Gentry. It's horrible for so many reasons. The main ones being the future implications that I've already talked about, getting more of an idea of what DiVincenzo can provide for the Kings as a starting two guard, number one. And number two is the man is coming off of his best game as a King and he did it as a starter and you did not reward him by keeping him in the starting lineup. Now, when you look at minutes played and I know, and I'm guilty of this, a lot of people are guilty of this. We make too big of a deal out of who's starting, right? DiVincenzo still played a boatload of minutes in this game. He played uh, 29 minutes, 44 seconds off the bench. Davion Mitchell played 30 minutes off the bench. I applaud Gentry for that because Mitchell and DiVincenzo did play a lot and they also shared the floor with De'Aaron Fox a lot. Fox playing 37 minutes in this game despite being hurt. I'll talk about his injury in just a bit. That's good. I praise Gentry for that because I want to see the three of them on the floor together. And we saw big minutes from those two. The question is, why does it have to come off the bench? People are raving about the bench points that the Kings scored, right? The bench was so good in this game. Kings bench completely obliterating the Bucks bench. It didn't have to be that way. The reason why it was that way is because 
your better players, or at least one of your better players who should be in the starting lineup, is coming off the bench for no reason. There is no advantage in my mind of starting Justin Holiday over Dante DiVincenzo or Davion Mitchell at this point. There is no advantage. Justin Holiday does not pro- provide anything specific that is better than either of those guys, not defensively, certainly not offensively. Maybe he's a bit taller, has a bit more length. What has that done for him? Dante DiVincenzo is one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA. Defensively, he gets after it just like Davion Mitchell does. And both of them provide more offensively, even with DiVincenzo in a slump for the majority of the time that he spent as a Sacramento King. Both of them provide more offensively than Justin Holiday does. Tell me what is the point? What is the advantage of having Justin Holiday start? There is none. And you know and I know that Gentry doesn't necessarily expect, he's hoping, but he doesn't expect, and he shouldn't, to be around next season. So he's not necessarily interested in making decisions for next season. But even Gentry, in all of his wisdom, all of his experience, has to recognize that if Justin Holiday is the starting two guard for the Kings next season, the team is not better. The likelihood of Justin Holiday being the starting two for the Sacramento Kings in the 2022-2023 season is tiny. Very small. But the likelihood of DiVincenzo, Davion Mitchell, I can't put a number on it, but I can certainly say it's higher, higher than Justin Holiday. And I'm sure the Sacramento Kings, Monty McNair, this Kings front office, hell, some of the Kings players want to see how those players fit in that spot. DiVincenzo should have been starting in this game. Made no sense to me. And to me, it's reverting back from the praise that I gave Gentry. To me, it's, it's honestly malpractice. Now, Gentry knows a whole hell of a lot more about basketball than I do. He's a whole hell of a lot more respected around the NBA than I am. But I don't I don't understand an argument. Maybe you can make one for me. Send me an argument if you have one. I This does not make sense to me in any way. And if your argument is, well, you like the boost that you get off the bench from DiVincenzo and Davion Mitchell, with the exception of this game and a, a sprinkling of minutes recently, That bench hasn't been that good. The Kings aren't a great team since the trade all of a sudden because of those two coming off the bench. Yet their most impressive victory in this bunch was when one of them started against the Chicago Bulls team that I think has a chance to make the NBA Finals. Doesn't make sense to me. Does not make sense. De'Aaron Fox hurt his hand in this game. Left close to the end of the half, like with a a, a minute or so left in the second quarter, comes back, plays the entire rest of the game with the exception of a couple of really costly turnovers at the end of the game. Overall plays pretty solid, had just 21 points. It's nice to see the Kings playing as well as they did without De'Aaron Fox completely taking over, but he kept his 20 plus point uh, game streaks alive. I think it's like 17 now. But from what I understand, from what I heard, the conversations that I had, De'Aaron chose to keep playing. He chose to stay out there. And I love that from De'Aaron. I love that from my leader. I love that from my star guard. But it brings up the question. It brings up the debate. Is it worth it? Is it worth potentially re-injuring or making the injury worse in a overall probably pretty meaningless game in terms of certainly NBA, in, in, in terms of standings and the Kings actually making the playoffs? Although I think there's plenty of meaning in Fox playing with these Kings and, and, and building a camaraderie and building confidence and understanding one another before next season begins using this time wisely, which we've talked a lot about. 
But I mean, there's all there's always an argument to be had, a good argument to be had that when the season is pretty much over and done with, and you're playing games simply to end the season, why risk significant injury to your franchise player that can throw everything for this offseason and next season off just like that? I get that argument. To me, this is different. Because all the reasons I just listed, I still think Fox playing next to Sabonis, next to Mitchell, next to DiVincenzo, these are important minutes for that group to play together. And two, De'Aaron wanted to play. De'Aaron wanted to get back out there. Again, from my understanding, I didn't talk to De'Aaron specifically, but from my understanding, Fox is the reason why he came back. He was cleared to go if he wanted to, and he said, absolutely, put me back in the game. I like that from Fox, especially when we were questioning Fox's desire to play when he was seemingly volunteering to sit out games before the trade deadline. Leading by example in a winnable game against the defending champions, I like what I saw from Fox. Even if he didn't have the best game, your leader being back out there, the second half I think would have been a whole hell of a lot different if De'Aaron Fox did not play. That's for damn sure. But... Unfortunately, regardless of Fox playing, DiVincenzo starting or not, that didn't really matter in the second half because the NBA officials took over this game. And I usually try to avoid the official conversation and official blame and and things like that, but I can't do it for this game. I'll explain why. If you watch the game, you already know why after I tell you more about our title sponsor here of Locked on Kings today, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy option for the NBA. Look, compared to fantasy NFL and fantasy MLB, NBA is just really not up there. It's kind of difficult uh, for you to run these daily fantasy leagues and adjust these lines. There's just not the same appeal, right? Well, Prize Picks provides a new kind of fantasy experience for you. It's daily fantasy made easy. I love this app. It's the only fantasy basketball that I play. I think you will love it too. First off, it's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not taking on anybody else. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Truly, it's that easy. Price picks is safe. They offer fast withdrawals. You'll get your money. That's you win. And you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Price picks offers any prop that you can think of from points scored to rebounds to steals. Uh, and they even allow mixed sport entries. So while you're entering for, for a, a, an NBA game, you can also enter for a uh, an NCAA March Madness game. Or you can enter for if football's happening or baseball's finally coming back if they're ever playing at the same time. You can bet on both at the same time. And for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You can get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Pick entry scores a single point. But you must use promo code NBA. That's right. For Long Time Kings listeners, use promo code NBA. Get $50 for free if you're, uh, your first entrance scores just a single point it's free money it's gonna happen you're going to get it make sure you are taking advantage making money and more importantly having fun with the best nba daily fantasy option that's prize picks i get the milwaukee bucks the defending champions i get Giannis antetokounmpo is a two-time mvp But there's a reason why those players are that good or that player is that good and this team is that good. They're champions to begin with. They don't need extra help. Well, maybe they did need extra help in this Kings game because I honestly believe that the Kings 
would have had a really, really good shot of winning this game had the officiating not gone the way that it did in the second half. And first off, you look at this final score, you see 135 to 126. Of course, the 135 jumps off the page. No defense in this game from the Sacramento Kings again. Nothing surprising there. But that final score, a nine-point victory is way too big to tell the story of this game. I mean, this game was neck and neck. A ton of lean changes, 18 lead changes, 11 times tied. Uh, The Bucs led by 11 at the most. Kings led by eight at the most. I mean, it was a very balanced, entertaining, back-and-forth, hard-fought game. An extremely entertaining game, and many of you I know are calling this a a fantastic loss. The best-case scenario loss. You got an entertaining game, you got good performances out of the young guys, and... It helps your draft lottery odds. I hear you. I feel you. If that's how you're feeling, I'm happy you're happy. But I don't think anybody was happy, even if you're rooting for the loss. I don't think anybody was was happy with the, in my mind, obvious officiating bias. And again, I know Kings fans tend to latch on to officiating a lot. I don't have to really bring up the 2002 Western Conference Final screw job, but I, of course, will. Most cases... While the officiating can appear one-sided at times, it's not the reason why the Kings lose games. I'd say 95% of the time, as bad as officiating is, the Kings lose because they're just bad themselves. In this game, I think it's part of that 5%. I think the Kings genuinely lost this game because of the obvious discrepancy with fouls in the second half. Now, you look at the free throw discrepancy, and it's not as bad as I expected it to be. The Bucks had 32 free throws, only made 23 of them for 71%. They really could have put this game away from the free throw line if they were better. The Kings, 21 free throws. So 11 more free throws from the Milwaukee Bucks and the Sacramento Kings. Kings shot 85%, uh, 18 of 21 from the free throw line in this game. But what did what changed in the first half to the second half to go from, I think Katie Christensen was talking about this in the broadcast, there were 22 free throws total in the first half total between both teams in the third quarter there were 20 or maybe it was the other way around I think it was the other way around there were 20 free throws total in the first half between both teams 22 in the third quarter alone it was one of those flip-flop ways I can't remember truth be told that's egregious and what it goes beyond just Giannis getting every whistle, getting the Kings in foul trouble, going to the line all the time, getting easy looks and frustrating the hell out of the Kings. And look, it got under the Kings skin, got under the Kings fans skin. There was a point where De'Aaron Fox was obviously fouled after multiple foul calls against the Kings on the other end of the floor. Fox was pissed. Gentry ends up calling a timeout. He's pissed. Fox starts going towards the official. Gentry actually ran out there, grabbed Fox and pulled him away because they knew they, they didn't need their guy getting ejected and doing something dumb or certainly not giving up a technical free throw. Well done by Gentry there. But overall, what this did to the game is it slowed things down significantly. And what did the Kings do so well in their win against the Chicago Bulls? They played with pace. And they played with good pace, I thought, in the first half of this game. As soon as it becomes a slow it down, grind it out type game, not that the Bucs are incapable of playing fast, but that significantly favors Milwaukee compared to Sacramento, and it showed in the second half. Now, the Kings, all credit to them, they did not stop fighting. They did not quit. They were only outscored by two points in the entire second half. Unfortunately, it was a 40 to 30 second quarter that ended up being the overall difference in this game. But the free throw discrepancy, the amount of whistles for one side over the other 
was egregious in this game. Ridiculous. And again, I know that championship teams are going to get more calls. I know that MVPs, superstar players are going to get more calls. That's just the way it is. And complaining and bitching and moaning about it doesn't do anything. It's not worth your time. It's not worth getting upset about because that's just the way it is. It sucks. It's the way it is. But there's usually a line. Things don't usually go so one-sided that the teeter-totter the, the the opponent side or the buck side of the teeter-totter is literally digging into the ground while the Kings are 10,000 feet in the air. That's what it felt like in this game. The scale was so unbalanced in that second half that it did have a massive effect. I'm not going to go as far as to say, had the officiating been even that the Kings absolutely would have won the game, because I don't know that for sure. But I think the Kings would have had a lot better of a chance because the whistles kept the Bucks in the game during some pretty significant stretches by the Kings, some good runs by the Kings in the second half. And the Kings, even though defensively, we know they're not a good team, they gave up 135 points for sure. It helps when 23 of those points come from the free throw line with the clock stopped. But the Kings would not have given up that many points and honestly were robbed of some good defensive moments by the quick whistles and the bias whistles, in my opinion, of NBA officials tonight. They got to be way better than that. Way Way better than that. Although I'm not surprised as to why they were getting those whistles. As for the rest of the game, like overall, I mean, you got a 10-point performance out of Harrison Barnes. Only five field goal attempts. I'm saying it almost every episode now, and I'm tired of saying it. Like you need more from Harrison Barnes. Harrison has to be more aggressive than taking just five shots. You're the third best player on this freaking team. You need to play more or shoot more than five shots especially against the defending champions, but against anybody, really. And also, Barnes only played like 22 and a half minutes. You need more from Harrison Barnes. Trey Lyles gave you 12. Sabonis gave you 22, uh, but only five rebounds for DeMontis Sabonis in this game. Like, that's this is the second straight game where he did not finish with a double-double. So that's a little concerning. I'd like to see him get that back up. He was a team low, minus 19, if you care about plus minus. Did have seven assists, though. And offensively, it was efficient. 6 of 13 from the field, just under 50%. 10 of 13 from the foul line. Did a good job uh, getting to the free throw line. 21 points for De'Aaron Fox. 19 for Davion Mitchell. 19 for Dante DiVincenzo off the bench. The Kings bench absolutely obliterated uh, the Bucks bench overall. I mean, you get six players finishing in double-figure scoring. That's usually recipe for success for the Sacramento Kings. Unfortunately, they ran into the defending champions and the Bucks, and they ran into a lot of whistles. Unfortunate whistles unfair whistles as we just talked about but honestly like there's really not a lot for me to be upset about i wish the kings took better care of the basketball 15 turnovers giving up 17 points off those 15 turnovers that's a big difference although the kings did score 22 points off of 13 bucks turnovers proving that when the kings do get stops and get out in transition they are a very very dangerous team regardless of who they're playing but even with the officiating being as bad as it was in the second half It's not the official's fault that De'Aaron Fox and the Kings turned the ball over twice when they needed to have a bucket in the final few possessions of the game. That allowed the Bucs to go to the foul line and create nine points of separation to make this final score look a little bit bigger and make the gap look a bit wider than it actually was. That's where the Kings really need to grow. I mean, they need to grow in a lot of areas, but they really need to learn how to close out games better and make better, smarter decisions. 
I didn't expect them when this game was closed in the final minutes. I didn't expect them to pull this one out and outperform the Bucks down the stretch. They're the defending champs for a reason, but I expected the Kings to do better in their final two possessions than just throwing the ball away. That's on Fox. That's on the Kings overall. That's not on the officials. Regardless of the result, I was very happy with what I saw from the Golden One Center crowd. I'll talk about that before we wrap up today's podcast and after I tell you about Built Bar. I've talked about Built Bar a ton. You're probably sick of it by now, but hopefully you're not sick of the actual bars themselves. I think it's maybe impossible to be sick of Built Bars. They're protein bars that taste like candy bars, covered in 100% chocolate. They're delicious, soft, easy to chew, come in so many different flavors. My favorite is mint brownie. Uh, If you're chocoholic like my wife is, there's a lot of options for you. If you're fruit lover, there's fruit options for you. They're all delicious. They're good for you. And they truly replace candy bars. Like I'm not just saying that. It's not just lip service. It's not just a bullet point on a read that Built Bar gave me. Like Built Bars have replaced candy bars for me. And they're, of course, significantly more healthy than candy bars. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Most candy bars are at 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's truly a no-brainer. You can try all these different flavors by ordering a mixed box on built.com. Or if you know what bars and what flavors you like, you can order your own custom box at any time. Regardless of what you order on built.com, make sure you use you use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. No matter how bad the Kings have been over this playoff drought, no matter how much they've fluctuated from good moments to bad moments, mostly bad, peaks and then long valleys and then peaks and then long valleys, The one thing that has stayed consistent has been the fan support here in Sacramento. And I will continue to sing the praises of the loyalty of Kings fans, not just because I am one and grew up one, but because there are few teams in all of professional sports that could continue to have the support and love and loyalty of a fan base like the Kings do for being as bad as they have been for so long. Like I put the Chicago Cubs in that like elite category with the Kings. That being said, attendance has been bad this year, down significantly. Of course, there are a lot of factors to this. We talked a lot about this earlier on in the season. Of course, there's COVID implications, which have now been significantly lifted, uh, and, and their and their COVID policies and things like that, ticket prices. But to me, the main thing was always that people were tired of supporting a same terrible product that didn't look like it was going anywhere. And I think that is made clear by the fan support since the DeMontis Sabonis trade. Even if the Kings aren't going to make the playoffs, even if they're still alive in the play-in uh, race, but most fans know that it's it's not happening. Fans are back supporting because the product is watchable again. It's different. It's exciting. And you can see building blocks for the near future now with Sabonis and Fox together. The Golden One Center tonight, was, I think, as good as it's been all season long. Although, I'll be honest with you, and I'll be very, very clear here. I have not been in the Golden 1 Center for a Kings game, I think, since November or December. Now, I made that choice for my own health, not the COVID health side of things. I work super early in the morning, and I also made the decision for the health of my family and to spend time with my family. I have a six-month-old at home now. I didn't want to expose him to anything, And I also would prefer to not spend 41 nights away from him like I would normally do. Under normal circumstances, I'd be in the Golden 1 Center every single uh, home game. I've been that way for most seasons, I'd say six out of the eight seasons that 
I've been around, I've missed maybe one or two home games a season. A lot of that decision also had to do with the fact that the Golden One Center environment that I love, that Kings fan environment, hasn't been there. But tonight, it was back and I could feel it through the TV. And actually, people have told me it's been back for the last few home games. It was very energetic in that building, of course, for the Chicago Bulls game. All I'm going to say is it's awesome to see Kings Faithful back out there having a good time. And did you see the celebrities on, on, on Kings Row tonight? Brett Favre, Chuck Liddell, also Vladi Divac was there. King celebrity, not really celebrity much elsewhere. But, I mean, I know the Lakers are bad, but I didn't expect so many celebrities to come to Sacramento because the Lakers are as terrible as they are. And I know why Favre is here. He's a Wisconsin guy. I'm not surprised that he was here for a cheap option to watch or a cheaper option to watch Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. But it was still cool to see him. Like overall, the Golden One Center environment is back to being as loud and rowdy and fun and kings or what Kings fans have been known for and known to bring since how poorly things were earlier on in the season. Great to see that. If you were at the game, let me know what that environment was like for you. And like I said at the beginning of the show, please, 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 speaking of environments, share some of your stories, your memories of Arco Arena with me for tomorrow's Locked on Kings, like final send off goodbye to Arco Arena before it is demolished. Please send those in. At Matt George uh, Sack on Twitter is how you can uh, reach me. But if you're going to send me these videos or these audio clips, please do it over email. It's way easier for me to get them through email onto uh, the, the Locked on Kings podcast. So send them to Matt George Sports, M-A-T-T-G-E-O-R-G-E-S-P-O-R-T-S at gmail.com. Matt George Sports at gmail.com. Try and keep them around two minutes or less, as short as possible, so I can fit as many as possible into the show if you can. I don't know if I can fit all of them in if I get a boatload of them, but I'll do my best. I just hope I get some because I know there are great stories out there. Please share them with me and have a chance to hear yourself on the next Locked On Kings podcast. I really would appreciate that. Would appreciate uh, your thoughts on this Kings game tonight, your thoughts on Alvin Gentry's rotations, your thoughts on our thoughts on De'Aaron Fox playing through injury, uh, your thoughts on how the Kings bench played, anything. The officiating, send it all to me. Again, at Matt George Sack on Twitter, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, get loose and leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support as always. Can't wait to have you back with me on the next Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.